Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today, it's episode 51. We are moving along in this offseason. I'm joined by George. You can follow him on Twitter at jmontanez 90 George, another another podcast just me and you, buddy. Roll yeah. <laughs> Here we are, episode 50 and 51. Man, I'm just, uh, it's a Monday morning and I'm not at work, so <laughs> I'm happy. So yeah, happy Veterans Day. Yeah, um, definitely. Happy Veterans yeah. Day. What, what better than to talk about baseball, man, you know? It's, uh, in, all, in all seriousness, though, thank you to all our veterans. We do appreciate all your service and everything you do for us. I, that should go without saying, but there really just truly is never enough thanks put out there for them, so. Yeah, absolutely. Just, but we're celebrating Veterans Day today. Obviously, giving thanks and talking baseball. Today, this is where we finally transition from our team previews to a divisional breakdown. Right. Now, we're still going to talk about every team in that division to a point. We're going to highlight some break, sleepers, breakouts, and busts that we can see from maybe not necessarily every team, but in general from that division. But the idea is to kind of bring five episodes into one. We're not going to talk for three hours, don't get me wrong. But it pro- it's going to be a solid episode filled with information, and this is a way to because otherwise, let's be honest, people don't want to just hear podcasts about one specific team. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. feedback. It's the feedback I'm getting. So this is our way of pivoting to where we're still covering every team, just cutting down the um, the amount of like episodes. We're doing it one episode versus five. So yeah, this yeah. really is a great way to do it. And we're still like taking a look at every team. So like, you know, not really missing much. Yeah. So I'm ready to get into this NL West today. Exactly. NL West. You said it first. And we were doing it out west because I knew I was going to have you on, and it has, your, it has your team, the San Francisco Giants. So, actually, right before we get started, a quick reminder. Hit us up with a five-star rating review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to us if it allows. We greatly appreciate it. It really helps us grow, and it helps get the word out there. I, I wish I knew the exact how it works, but I know it works. It helps us out. <laughs> and, um, of course – the every podcast it's a reminder that uh, we do have a patreon page it's patreon.com slash fantasy baseball and we have everything from as simple as a discord chat to actual draft services you know uh we what we do uh rankings just for your league format we do hating charts pitching charts we 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 offer a whole bunch of stuff it's worth checking out and again that's at patreon.com slash fantasy baseball all right now let's go ahead and get to it we're just gonna jump right in and we'll start with the giants now yeah, <laughs> we talked oh, about, but we, I, I'll just start with Buster Posey because we already spoke on him pretty much. We, we, we can both agree it's empty batting average, maybe 10 home run upside, but yeah, whatever. Catcher is what it is. So he's a fallback option at best, but limited upside. But as far as the roster lays out, 
is there anybody sleeper breakout buster in general that kind of piques your interest at all? I mean, kind of a meh lineup. This Giants team is just a, a team that is in such, you know, uh, they're in a weird state right now where, you know, they're probably not going to be competitive for another three or four years, realistically. Um, so, like, you know, they're building up that farm system. But they've just got so many pieces that, like, that they're not going to be able to move, like Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Bell, you know, Buster Posey. Uh, so this, you know, we're, we're looking, like, at another really bad year for, for the Giants, you know, realistically. They, they did, you know, go on a little bit of that hot stretch in the middle of the season. Had they not, you know, you, you think, like, maybe would they have been able to move, to, uh, you know, a few more pieces? Would they have been able to get something from Madison Bumgarner or, or Will Smith? But... I mean, it is what it is. Uh, those guys are likely moving on. Um, now, as far as, like, what's left here on the team, uh, you know, uh, one, one guy who they were actually able to acquire is uh, for uh, Pomerantz was Mauricio Dubon. Now, he's, uh, you know, second base shortstop. Uh, you know, he's a middle infielder, and uh, he actually did pretty well. He had uh, four home runs and, and three steals, uh, hit two seventy four with the team in uh, 30 games. And Steamer likes him. Steamer's really, really uh, high on on Dubon, uh, projecting him for 14 home runs and 13 steals with a 2.66 average. So, you know, not too bad. Um, you know, 14 and 13, 2.66. That's that's a you know decent. Could be a decent middle infield option uh, in he, like roto leagues. Yeah, he was actually the name that I was right away intrigued by because he offers a little power and speed. Now, the speed itself is. A little, I mean, I'm just curious, a little question, questioning it slightly, only because he has a sprint speed in the 60th percentile. So obviously, it's not like blazing speed, but he yeah. has, I'm pretty sure I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he's show, oh, yeah, he has a 31 steal season in the minors, and he's stolen pretty much double digits at every uh, stop. So I think the steamer projections of 14 and 13 seem fair. I mean, maybe the home runs, he could, I mean, he could really realistically only put up 10, like power. Right. The power didn't show up until last year in AAA. We all know the ball that they were using last year. So, Exactly. Yeah, so he had 16 home runs in AAA and then came up and hit four uh, in the majors. Yeah, so that's 20. So 14, but... right. 14 might be a little aggressive, uh, you know, if we're not looking at the same baseball being used next season. And that's why I mentioned, you know, I made sure to mention that because – but other than that, I mean, late speed and batting average appears to be there. And I'm surprised – at the batting average being so high because if you look at you know the the XBA was like around 258 I think it was I just looked it up not too long ago and when you look at his profile you see a chase rate and let's say league average last year or in 2019 I should say was 31.6 his was 46.3 we're talking like absurdly high chase rate that's probably like Mondesi high you know what I mean yeah but the swing but the crazy part was the string swinging strike rate was only 10.1 percent which was actually a full percentage point better than league average so. When he swings, he doesn't uh, he doesn't miss a lot, and that shows that that shows in actually his contact percentage. I think his, right. con- his contact percentage being well, let's see, league average is six seventy six point two percent, and he's sitting is that eighty two eighty two point three percent. So you're looking at what is that four five six, six about six point one percent difference actually not about that is the difference. So the high contact profile is why he can get away with chasing so much. Because he makes contact across the board at a higher, at above average rate, at a solid above average rate too. At that, so it makes up for the the, the chase rate, and will keep his K rate slightly lower. But he's not going to walk a lot. So OBP leagues, points leagues, he's a hard you know pass for me. But overall, again, we're talking a later option, 
and he's somebody like somewhat he almost fits that sleeper category. He's definitely somebody you should go out and get though if you're targeting, you know, steals and batting average late, which I'm the more we do these, by the way, the more I'm finding speed and batting average guys late. Like it's becoming more it's just you have to build for those because they hurt you in power categories. Yeah, exactly. And we all know power is a little harder to come by because everybody you have to keep up with everybody with how power has kind of exploded over the years. So this is a guy where you have to build in like I'm all for about ta- I'm all for taking power early and waiting on the speed because the speed itself like you can find speed and batting average a little later it seems like I mean maybe I'm being a little too optimistic with my uh, assessment with some of these guys to be honest but the more I see I'm just seeing more and more of them personally so yeah yeah for sure um, now Steamer does have them projected for uh, 134 games um, you know I'm not. I just don't see anyone on that roster that should be like, there's no reason why Dubon shouldn't be playing every day for the Giants. So, I mean, if, if we, you know, if 134 was it, yeah, 134 is a little conservative. If you give them maybe another 15 to 20 games. um, Yeah. We're probably looking at some good, very good uh, value for Roto leagues. Yeah. I'm looking I was just looking at the roster resource page as well. And there's, I don't see what would be really stopping them. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't get it either. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it, yeah, and Dubon is someone I like. Other than Dubon, uh, you've got someone like Kevin Pillar. Every year he does this. Stop it. Yeah. Every year he's a, he's a late-round grab, offers a little bit. Of, like He goes through hot stretches, hot stretches where you're like, oh, maybe he figured it out. A little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and it's just like, meh. He's, you know what he is? He's Adam Eaton. With less, well, batting, with less batting average. Yeah, less batting average. But, yeah, I mean, you know what you're going to get, essentially. Yeah, so, like, the last three seasons, he went uh, 16 home runs, 15 steals. And then in 2017, uh, 2018, he went 15 and 14. And then last year, uh, you know, power was up everywhere. He went 21 and 14 steals. So, you, you know what you're going to get. I, I uh, you know, I wrote it down on my notes here. He's, you know, a solid, like, fifth outfielder in Roto Leagues. Uh, you know, give you double digits and uh, home runs and steals. Not going to help you in batting average, but, uh, you know, you know how badly everyone needs uh, speed. Exactly. He'll be owned in a lot of leagues for sure. You, you know, again, you guys, this roster is littered with, like, late-round flyers as far as, like, need-based. Exactly. Let's see. You have Mike Yastrzemski, which we looked at a little bit off the air. We were talking about him, and ultimately – there's some upside there, but mostly in the power department. I mean, him and Alex Dickerson are both like 20 to 25 home run guys, 250 to 270 batting average. Now, 270, I feel like, is their ceiling. I think they both – I think I know Yaz did. I have to look up Alex real quick, Dickerson. But, yeah, yeah, they both hit 270 or 275 last year. But they both had, um, I believe – at least – no, sorry. Yaz had a 256 or something like that expected batting average. Slightly overproducing speed skill. There's not enough sprint speed there to suggest that he can sustain being so much higher than that batting average. But Alex Dickerson actually had an expected batting average right in line with his actual. So if you're looking for a little bit of pop late in drafts, fifth outfielder utility type, those guys might have it. Those are those are deeper league guys. Like I don't see them being real twelve team mixed um, type of type of guys right. personally. Yeah. Other than that, man, I think as far as the hitters go, that's pretty much it. I don't see much. Well, I mean, if we do, should we maybe we should run down the roster as it currently sits right now. One through eight of the, for hitters, it's Yaz leading off, Posey's hitting second, Brandon Belt. Every year, it's the same thing with him as well. You're gonna there's always guys high on him in the industry. I'm just between the concussions and other stuff. I'm just I'm kind of and that feel that that 
where he, where you guys where he plays, you know, that's not really lefty friendly. So uh, you have Evan Longoria hitting cleanup, same idea, kind of whatever. Not really a guy I want. There's no upside there anymore. Yeah, Alex Dickerson, Kevin Pilar, we mentioned Brandon Crawford, another guy that's just whatever, and Dubon. Of all those guys I just mentioned, and I speak so fast, people who try to listen to podcasts at 1.5 speed have to slow it down for me. <laughs> <laughs> of those names, though, which one, I, I, are you with me that Dubon's like the most exciting and the most upside? It feels like. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, Dubon's the one that stands out. He, he's the one that I'm most excited for. The rest of these guys, like I said, like you're looking at all these aging veterans in Posey, Belt, Longoria, Crawford. Um, I just don't see any value there um, at all, really, from any of them. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Dubon. Now they are gonna move the bullpen to the outfield, so you know I'm not sure how much that's gonna change the dimensions, but. It looks like they're probably going to move in, you know, triples valley. And man, I I can't even begin to tell you how many times over the years I've seen Brandon Belt hit hit a ball just that just dies in triples alley, you know, for an out. Um, so I mean, we'll see how that changes things. We'll see how how much the dimensions change and um, it, how much that'll offset that. But I mean, yeah, uh, there's not really much else to say about the lineup. <laughs> I do like your. I think there's a lot of pitcher, interesting pitchers on your roster on this roster as far as fantasy goes. Cueto didn't he come back and flash a little something some at the end, giving you a little bit of false advertisement, false hope coming into this year, late round flyer. Samarja solid for quality start leaves, and he pitched pretty decent last year. Beating right, yeah. His moments like you guys have. I think pitching is where it's actually kind of there's a fantasy value to be had here. Yeah, so uh, I mean, Samarja actually, uh, yeah, he he did have a a really actually surprisingly good year in 181 innings. He had a 3.52 ERA. The the thing is, I mean, it came with a 4.59 FIP and 5.02 xFIP. So exactly. I mean, That's he got he just got so lucky. What was it? What was it? What was his strand rate? Probably like 80 percent. I'm guessing 80 plus. Uh, 76.9 percent oh, strand wow. rate. I, yeah, expect it to, I expect it to be a little higher with all the uh, indicators, with all those indicators uh, being so uh, so much higher as well. But hmm, it's interesting. I, I haven't looked into them as deeply as I should have. I should, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, so I'll probably, I'll be off of of Samarja this season. Um, I was kind of on him coming into 2019, and it kind of worked out. But I mean, as you can see, the the, the numbers here say that it was really lucky. You know, um, and then, uh huh. No, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to move move on to a uh, couple of the other pitchers here. I know Tyler Beatty was kind of up and down throughout the season. Eh, I'm not interested. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, these guys, most of these guys are probably going to go undrafted in, you know, your standard 10 to 12 mixed leagues. I was just, yeah, no, definitely. These guys are 15 team and deeper. Uh, Logan Webb, I was looking at a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was really high on him coming up because c- coming out of the minors because he was flashing, you know, as high as like 10 point. 2-3 K per nine in double A this the last year or 2019. Then he had a 9.0 K per nine in triple A, but that was like one start. <laughs> and then he came up and he walked more than any at, than at any point last year. He uh, struck out less. And I get, but he had like, he's another guy with like a little bit of positive regression might be noted. His URA was 5.22, FIP of 4.12, XFIP of 3.89, and a strand rate of only 65.4%. And league average is like, I think 75-ish. 72 to 75-ish, I think, is league average. I'd have yeah. to check that. But, 
I mean, there's some and and also Sierra was four point four five, so nothing like crazy good. Nothing really. It's just maybe I'm still a little optimistic because he flashed it in the minors, and I feel like there's a little more upside now. Even his O swing and swing strike rates were below league average, and I just feel like there's there could be more there. I mean. He flashed the K upside in the minors, maybe getting a full off season and a full spring training. There's something there, but just somebody that ultimately, like you said, I'm not. He's gonna be a great pitcher. I wish this is when I wish Mike was on because yeah. he's a streamer type. I think he's gonna be. You're gonna see Mike streaming, uh, recommending streaming him at times this year. Good home ballpark, you know, maybe against a weak lineup, he could be a good streamer type. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, like you mentioned, most of these guys are going to be streamer types. Uh, one guy they picked up, uh, Tyler Anderson, they claimed uh, from the Rockies. Uh, you know, obviously, great transition. You know, from ballparks. Um, oh yeah, went over sure. from Coors. Yeah, and uh, Steamer actually really likes Tyler Anderson. Uh, they have him for 146 innings with a 4.06 ERA and 8.7 K per nine. I mean, that's that's not too bad. Um, you know, like you're, he's definitely going to be usable if that's what they're giving him. I thought Cueto was projected to be better, but I'm not seeing anything about it. I, and I, you know what? I probably should have looked. I'm curious about his velocity, but Cueto's just on name value alone will go late in drafts, just on just like the just in case things. I remember him having, I thought he had a couple solid outings. Maybe I was wrong. I must have been mistaken because I'm looking at his stats and they were not pretty at all. Yeah. So I, I thought he flashed. I, th- I swore he flashed a solid start before the end, end of the season. Maybe, regardless. I mean, nah. Nah. We'll see. You know, yeah. he, it'll be an off season, a whole off season for him off of the Tommy John surgery. Yeah, but he's, to- he's um, also he's also thirty three years old. And exactly. I just I don't know. The K per nine hasn't been there in a few years, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah, so of these guys, uh, of the starting five that they currently have on uh, roster resource, and you know we're we get to see what they do in the off season, but uh, of these guys, I'm I'm actually probably most interested in seeing what Tyler Anderson can do in that ballpark. Um, now moving over to the bullpen, this is another situation that's going to be up in the air. Uh, you know, with regarding Will Smith, he they did give him the qualifying offer. Uh, he's probably I mean, at seventeen million for, it's hard, for that's, hard, that's hard to pass up at his age too. I think he's like what thirty something, thirty one maybe. He's not old. Yeah, he's like thirty one. Mm-hmm. That's not old, but that's a lot of money to pass up on, you know. And on top of that, someone would have to give up the draft pick incentive, like the draft pick for him. And I just don't know. He could be a tough one to gauge how that goes. I'm curious to see if he if he takes it. Because if he does, he's the closer, no questions. Absolutely. But if he doesn't, who would you peg as the closer? So if he doesn't, so they have Sean Anderson, who did close a few games last season. They've got Tony Watson, who, you know, has closed before. But one guy who I'm actually really excited about, uh, you know, seeing this season, uh, probably right behind Dubon, uh, is Melvin Adon. Uh, Melvin Adon is a, you know, he, he was a closer in A last season for the Giants affiliate. Uh, saved 14 games, uh, had 11.8. Uh, K per nine, uh, 2.6 ERA, and he's he's got an 80 grade fastball. He throws 100 miles an hour. Uh, so Melvin Adon is someone to, to keep an eye on. See if if you, they'll call him up. Uh, he's 25, so you know it's just about that time to see what he can see what he could bring to the organization. And uh, so he, yeah, uh, Melvin Adon, he, he's someone that I'm excited about watching happened, in that bullpen. Whatever happened to Reyes Maranta? 
Oh man. <laughs> Remember that? We were all we loved him last year. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that's that's not the case anymore. <laughs> so beyond beyond that, I think that's gonna cover the the Giants, and we talked about them more than I anticipated anyway, so it works. Let's go yeah. ahead and transition over to why not the Padres. Actually, real quick, Mad Bum, we both know he's not gonna resign there or take the qualifying offer. I doubt that he goes back. He's not gonna end up there, right? No, no, I, I doubt it. And I don't see a reason why the Giants in, in this stage would, would probably do that. I mean, like I said, they're, they're three or four years away from, from really competing again. They, they're building up that farm system. Uh, yeah, I just don't see it. I don't either. I honestly have no interest in him because I have feeling like he's going to go. I feel like the Phillies or something stupid are going to go get him. And Philly, it's going to be like Arietta 2.0. And I'm, I'm already pretty low on Mad Bum. And the peripheral, if you look at his actually, if you actually looked at his home and road splits, he was far worse on the road. And that makes sense with such a great home park in, in San Fran. So if he goes to a place that isn't so, you know, friendly to the home, with, as a home park type of thing, that um, I'm going to likely just be avoiding him in general anyway. So, yeah. San Diego Padres. I hope they land one of Cole or Strasburg. And you're hearing that there's a chance that he actually lands there. You know, like they're talking about, like I saw something about the, the Padres being like a strong, not strong favorite favorites, not the word, but like a, they're strongly considering it or something, which makes sense. Cause of Cole, like that, that team is on the brink between what's in the farm system and between what's on the roster. I think they could legitimately, they're an ace or two, they're an ace or a couple pitchers away. I mean, a team has it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they look like they're a team that's ready to just, you know, put everything down and, and go for it. Um, they've been building up the, this team, the, the farm system. You see the prospects, and um, they're, they're right there. They're right on the cusp. So, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> if they're going to be in the running for one of these top pitchers, for someone like Garrett Cole, who, you know, he's from, he's from Southern California. So, you know, obviously he's been linked to the Angels. But if the Padres are in there, you know, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't go for it other than other than obviously talking hypotheticals i think we can mm-hmm. actually do a whole podcast and talking about where we think these guys are going to land because that'd be kind of cool oh yeah but let's just start at the top here man there's a lot of fantasy goodness on this team like i'll tell you right now there's no interest and in our first place ranks which we're going to talk about on another podcast but hosmer no thanks not interested not even a corner infield type i don't want them yeah no just like, I just want to get that one out of the way. There's really no excitement there. No sleeper breakout or bust there at all. He's ranked appropriately, and I, if I miss on him, I'm fine with that. But anyway, <laughs> you know, who's, somebody who's going to be a, a fantasy team make-or-break type of player because of where he's going is Fernando Tatis Jr. Absolutely. He is, Absolutely. So, he is so exciting, but, man, like the back, we've seen what happens with backs. You know, you see Correa, you've seen Yelich. And although he he obviously is only 20 years old, but Cray has been dealing with the nagging back issues for years now, and he's only in his early 20s. I'm just afraid that that might turn into something. But other than that, other than that potential, dude, the skies is the limit for this kid. It really is. It really is. So tell me, is he a first-rounder for you right now? 15-teamers, he's fringe. Mm-hmm. I, haven't really, I haven't updated my uh, ranks, but I'm coming around on the more I look into him. There's a little swing. I mean – Everything about him. I mean, I'm looking at his like stat cast page and everything, and obviously he's over his uh, XBA is way lower than his actual production last year. 
but he has 95th percentile sprint speed. So a lot of his like BABIP and a lot of he's going to likely always be like an over achiever on batting average compared to his expected batting average. Yeah. And when you look at his profile, he doesn't swing. He doesn't chase a lot, which I was very surprised to find. I thought he was a little more aggressive. He swings plenty. Where is it? I got to find it again. There it is. Yeah, he does. It's the swing and strikes uh, really yeah, he, is up at 15.6%. So, I mean, if he can just improve that contact rate. That's, yeah, that's, that's the only thing he's lacking because everything else, he chases league average, which is fine. Yeah. His, just his contacts across the board are below average. And if he could just improve – again, and he's 20 years old, so you anticipate growth. So if he improves just putting more contact on the ball, there's literally like I don't see any – because if the contact improves, that means the chase rate likely improves too because that means he's seeing the ball better. And unfortunately, sophomore slumps happen, so that that does concern me. But even with – like even if he sustains this batting profile – he can still be a 260, 270 hitter if things don't go his way. And we're looking at at least like 25, 35. And that's like floor. It feels like a floor. 25, 30, 25, 35. feels like a yeah. floor. Because, I mean, he's done it in, in 2017, albeit in high A, 21, 29. He did 16 and 16 in 2018. And then last year, he did 22, 16. Yeah, and that was in, in 84 games. And that was 84 games. But now, again, if we're looking at less, we're looking at less juiced ball, take away a few of those home runs. Give, I mean, he's still 30-30. That's still like a legitimate potential for him. Or even yeah. could be a potential floor for him with a 270 batting average. That should be first round. I just have a hard – like, for me, it's like him or Rendon, him or Freeman. That's where it gets really tough. You're high floor. You know what you're getting type of guys compared to a lottery ticket. But he could very well take that next step like Acuna did. You know what I mean? It could happen. Or he could take a step back like Bellinger did in year two. Right. And that's where it's like risk-reward. And I think you're going to see him f- creep into that top 12 range for the upside. But it's like him or Jose Ramirez. Like, that's where I have a really hard decision. Because Jose Ramirez, although had a really like a down year when you look at it, the first half of this year and the second half of 2018. Yeah. You look at those, you combine them, it's one full season. But other than that, you're hoping Tatis is that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean. <laughs> so it's like him him or Ramirez, it, for me it's really tough because you're hoping Tatis produces what Ramirez has produced in the past. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, the the well-documented slump that Jose Ramirez was on for, you know, over a year, that's going to scare some people off. Um, personally, I think I'd probably, I'd probably take Tatis first because um, – yeah, I mean, like like you said, you're looking at probably 270 and at least 25-20, you know, as a pretty safe safe projection. Steamer has him at 28-20 with a 264 average. That yeah. Feels, that feels conservative. It does. But, but that's the thing. It's like I'm just trying to balance like, – because when you look at Ramirez, even when he was slumping, the dude was stealing bases at a high like, – the, there was no denying that. He carried you in steals even while slumping that whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but that also begged the question for everyone, like, was he stealing because he was uh, slumping? Well, I mean, it's – I guess. I don't know. I'm just looking at, it like, even while he was slumping with the counting stats and everything, he was getting – his on-base percentage and everything was not really teetering. His K rates and walk rates never really – never really took a hit. And I feel like with somebody with that type of plate discipline – 
there's a high floor and I get it. Tatis is the higher ceiling. It feels like, but is mm-hmm. he really? Cause we saw, we saw um, Ramirez coming around and I think it's gonna be one of those, they're gonna be ranked back to back. And depending on how my team is like in a 15 teamer, I might take the higher floor In a 12 teamer. I might shoot for the ceiling. It really depends on how my team, who I get in the first round or if I have to say, if I get a back end first round pick, heck, I might take both of them. Yeah, <laughs> like, <right. laughs> realistically. Cause I think Ramirez is a little low. I mean, I haven't really looked at consensus ranks, and we don't really have enough rankings out there. So I'm waiting. I want to see what ADP says, but I think you're going to see Tatis go ahead of him, and I'm not sure if that's necessarily wrong, but I don't know if that's the right thing either. I think it's just preference. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little higher on Ramirez than most. People are really down on him, like you said. Right, yeah. And, I mean, the discussion has been brought up before regarding Ramirez, um, you know, how real his power is. So, I mean, you know, you look at the, the exit velocity and, and hard hit percentage for, for Ramirez, and then you look at Tatis, and you can see the difference there. So, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Jose Ramirez. I love him as a player. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that Tatis has that ability to just take that extra step and, you know, be a league winner, even in the middle of the second round in shallow leagues or, you know, back in the first in, in those 15-teamers. Yeah, we could probably spend the whole podcast arguing these two. <laughs> yeah. the, but it's just a matter – like you said, like I think I think there's – yeah, the ceiling is definitely higher for Tatis. And the more I look into it, if it wasn't for those like elite walk and K rates that, he, that Ramirez typically puts up, mm-hmm. then I'd – um, then I don't know. I'm probably going to go Tatis as well over him. Just shoot for the, just shoot for the stars, man. But, yeah, exactly. But, but man, we could talk all day about these guys. And we could talk all day about the Padres in general, but – it's hard not to, right? <laughs> I guess we should move on from Tati. So that's our feelings on him. We know, we know there's legitimate, like a Cunha, like ceiling type of thing. It feels like. Right. And where are you on Manny Machado? <laughs> I, was, I was literally going to ask the same thing. <laughs> I was literally going to ask you the same exact thing. I am. And you know, I'm down on him. Like I was yeah. down on him last year. I was like, come, come right before the mid season mark. I was telling people like, Chapman or Machado the rest of the season and I had Chapman and people were like really surprised about that I guess and I was like right now you can actually go with Machado's name sell high and get Chapman plus and if people listen to me they would have other than like that one real big month from Machado which happened right after I actually mentioned selling them so go figure yeah other than that month though it's that's what is what it is and I actually plan on diving into them a little more I want to get better numbers because I know outside of Camden He's just as a career, he's been a lot worse. Right. Yeah. So I I did look into that a little bit uh, last night. And actually, you know, as a hitter in Camden, uh, he has a career of 294 average. And then outside of Camden in his career, he's 270 hitter. You know, obviously we've seen last year um, that dive down in, you know, 256. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, um, that's, you know, that's, that's well documented his, his, difference you know outside of Camden Yards now you know he, he hit 32 home runs last season with the 256 average and when he, where he was being drafted you know like in the second round that's a that's a pretty big disappointment especially when you consider that uh 35 other hitters hit at least you know uh 256 or better and and 32 home runs um so I mean <laughs> <laughs> 35 other guys were able to outproduce him he actually his carry spiked back up too five five more it went up five percent from uh, it did last it did year from twenty eighteen yeah and the speed the speed wasn't there it was I'm looking at that now actually 
The steel. No, see, I actually did look into him. The, for some reason, the steals weren't there, but the sprint speed actually was the same, or if not technically 0.1 better than like last the season before. So I don't know why the steals weren't there. To be completely honest. Yeah, and we've seen this, you know, we've seen this with, with guys who, you know, move teams and sign big contracts. We, you know, we've seen this happen where, uh, you know, they press and we see that in their K rate. So we'll see how, you know, in, in year two. Now, you know, if Machado's there, say, you know, round, are, round are you five, t- Round five. Right. I was going to say round four, um, just, you know, off the top of my head and my gut. You know, if he's there in round four, are, are you on him in round four? Fifteen teamers, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 12-teamers, I'm not sure because I think there, there's upside still there, but I don't know, man. Like, I'm really that low on him. Steamer likes him more than I do. Steamer has him at 271. I'm trying to pull up his stat cast page, and the hard hit rate's still there. I mean, there's a lot of – maybe there's some – there's indicators that suggest, yeah, obviously he underachieved. They had expected around 10 points higher in batting average, so – in five yeah. by five, in five by five leagues, round four, round five feels right. I just think people need to understand that he's always it's it's the ceiling isn't what it was when he was in Camden. The three hundred hitter that you saw and all that, I think is kind of not really there at this point. And Yeah. I just I'm yeah, down, I but I think fourth round is fair, but I'm just wondering how much based on name and if, if he has a hot spring training, how much inflation there is and at that point, you know. Yeah, and because I don't think he's he's going to be, you know, running like he did before, he's he's I don't think he's going to have a 20 steal season like he did with the Orioles or even 14 steals um in uh, 2018. You know, Steamer has him for 7. I, I think that's going to uh, you know, limit that upside. I don't, I don't think that puts him into the, you know, back into like the second round. No, no, not by any means, but the if he can get 270 again with 30, that cuz obviously you can get power late, but getting 270 and 30 late other than my boy jd davis um i don't think that's gonna honestly it's not as easy to find so i think there's still value in a solid batting average with the, with 30 home runs mm-hmm. and who knows who they sign maybe they bring in more rbi potential around them you know they right now they have franchi cordero cordero ahead of them but franchi last i checked isn't much of an on-base guy as much as he is just a power guy you know right he's yeah, franchi is one of those like physical tools you know toolsy guys that just hasn't put it all together whether it be for injury or just uh growth you know so yeah he's, he's just another one of those guys <laughs> he's a power speed combo guy and mm-hmm. franchi's interesting i think he's a late round flyer i mean i didn't i honestly didn't look enough into him uh initially i looked into him more since and there is some power speed intrigue here like legitimately like there's potential the <laughs> steamer has him as a 224 hitter though that's kind of funny but mm-hmm. But I mean, he's flashed, you know, about two. He, he's probably going to hit around 250. 230 would be low end. I think 222 is really, 224 is really low. But there's like legitimately, I think there's legitimately like a solid, like a potential 2020 season in him if everything goes right. Because in AAA in 2017, in 419 play appearances, he put up 17 and 15 with a 326 batting average, which the, I don't think the batting average is there, but everything there's a lot of tools there, a lot of excitement. I think he's a late round flyer worth drafting in most leagues, especially if he's um if he's named a starter come opening day. Yeah. I think he's a fun sleeper. I think I'm adding him to sleeper lists, honestly, and I like 
I like chasing that type of upside. I like somebody that has 15-15 potential with a 250 average. Like that's fine because that's potential. He could he could easily do 2020. I mean, it depends on what if they stick with him in the starting lineup. Am I right. Little, am I a little too bullish on him, maybe. Yeah, you, the thing is too, you know, how how patient are they going to be with him? They they acquired uh, you know, Taylor Trammell um in in the swap, you know, with uh yeah, between the same, Reds same and, same, and yeah. the Indians, yeah, that that trade. So they acquired, you know, Taylor Trammell. They still have uh, you know, Will Myers in the outfield, Manny Marco, um, you know, Hunter Renfro. So, you know, I, I don't think they're you know, he he's probably not gonna have that long of a leash. And he's probably not, he, he might not even he might not even play every day initially either. I get that. Right. Oh, I, I just think, and he, again, he's a deeper league name, probably outside top three hundreds in ADP. And I just think there's just some appeal there. And again, especially if he starts, especially if he starts off the season as a starter and gets every day at bats, he's somebody that you I could see week one waiver wire as a must add. Like I could see that, or he's being or he's on the most drop list come week one. There's literally all those incomes, all those outcomes are potential but i think he's definitely worth grabbing with a last round pick in most drafts not not 10 teamers maybe fringe 12 teamer but definitely 15 teamers i think he's a late round guy for sure because yeah. uh renfro kind of is who he is at this point bad, um middling batting average at best big power potential will myers i got burned by him last year but his draft price is another guy power speed kind of late in drafts why not yeah I'm not, slapping, I'm not slapping a super tag on him. I'm over him. He he broke my heart last year because I was, like, super big on him. Uh, Luis Urias, solid middle infield option late in drafts. I don't feel the need to break these guys down because Luis Urias, although he showed that power last year in the minors, it didn't really translate so well to the majors. No, it didn't. And if the ball loses any juice, he's, just, he's almost like a safe, solid batting average fluffer at the end of drafts in deeper leagues. Mixed leagues, like 12-team mixers, meh. Uh, if he shows any type of growth in the spring in spring training, then yeah, he'll gain. He'll be like a late round guy as well. So, but overall, the team's just solid. We talk about Mejia on the catcher, uh, um, the catchers. Yeah, we, we we think that there's if he slots in in that lineup where he's slotting, there's a lot of potential there. I think seven in the seven hole, sorry, the six hole, for Mejia, there's a lot of RBI potential, a lot of you know just and a lot of lineup protection. I like that a lot in a catcher. And I'm not going to break it down. If people want to hear our thoughts on him more, I would recommend going back to the catcher preview. But I'm just trying to get through some of these other, you know, middling guys that I don't – if you differ from me, please speak up. I just feel like we kind of know the rest of them. Machado's the hot topic we talked about. Tatis is a hot topic. Cordero I probably spent more time on. Hosmer, again, I think your rankings are similar to mine on him with first base. No, mm-hmm. real, no real interest. Kind of like a, oops, I passed on first base way too long type of guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If anything, he's probably like, you know, a plug-in at utility, you know, if you really need somebody. Exactly. And that's kind of it. Again, there's a lot of excitement here. Will Myers and Cordero late. I I think Will Myers first, I would take, obviously, because there's more of, I feel like there's more of a sure thing with playing time. But Cordero, if he actually, if this roster resource page, because roster resource has Cordero slotting in in the two-hole, I want him more because... He's going to be cheaper, but he offers the same type of upside as Will Myers, but he's, he's, he's hitting second. There's more potential there than Will yeah. Myers hitting eighth or seventh. So, But the pitching side of things is where I get really get excited for this team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, again, you, I think they signed one of Strasburg or Cole. I really do. I think they make a good run at him, get one of them. Paddock, Garrett Richards, 
Denelson Lamette, Luke Casey to a lesser extent, and Quintrell are okay. Uh-huh. Oh, Quantrill. I always say his name wrong. Quantrill, Cal Quantrill. They're okay. They're whatever. But, dude, they have, and then they have Mackenzie um, Gore that might come up at one point this year. They have – where is it? They have a whole bunch of guys that are awesome. Yeah, Luis Patino. Patino. Um, whatever happened to Josh Naylor? Just thinking about minor leaguers. Sorry. Um, right. Um, Adrian Morjon, Michael ba- Baez. Like, this This is loaded. These are AAA guys, too. Just loaded pitchers, man. Just one yeah. I, I, I don't know anymore. Yeah, we could, you know – potentially see someone like Gore or Patino come up late in, in the season, or I, I'm kind of expecting more, um, you know, uh, like 2021, but uh, yeah, on the pitching side, as exciting as the hitters are, I mean, I'm really excited about some of these pitchers. Uh, you know, Chris Paddock, I'm really excited about what he can do this next season with, without any limitations. I mean, it was very, I mean, they, they weren't letting him go over 90 pitches you know, most starts and, and he, he was only pitching. I would say he still didn't even need it. He was still getting quality starts with 90 pitches. It was, it was impressive. Right. Yeah. So he was very limited. He was limited only 140 innings. Um, like I said, like uh, his outings were, you know, really efficient in, in only, you know, 80 to 90 pitches. He, he was putting up, you know, quality starts. Now you, you got to think like if you know that you're on a pitch count and, and you know, you're being limited, you know, is there some pressure there to try to get the most out of it? And, and like, you know, just just the whole dynamic, you know, what, what Paddock can do without limitations. Uh, so uh, for me right now, I, uh, sorry about that, someone <laughs> driving yeah. through the neighborhood here. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, without limitations, what he can do, you know, that potential. Right now I have him uh, right around uh, top 20. I think he can make a big jump this next season. So I, I think, you know, Paddock is going to be someone I'm all over. Yeah, Paddock. Now, would you put Paddock top twenty or friend? Like he's close to that top twenty in SPs. He's very close. Like I'm having a hard time. I'm taking him over Kluber and Carrasco for upside. But then it becomes like I'm really high on Woodruff. So it's like between him and Woodruff for me. And then there's Otani there. I think Otani on a per game basis could be better. But who knows? He's come off TJ. So we saw and we saw and we saw Paddock burn out a little bit last year. That's why the numbers kind of slacked off towards the end. Paddock as a whole. Slowed down at the end of the last season, and the numbers showed it. I think it showed in the numbers, and I think it was just him getting tired because it was his first real full year, and I think this year, what, eight, I don't expect any limitations. I don't expect any type of cut, like a cut, like a line where a line in the sand type of thing where I just don't know. But I think the upside is there, and I think it's solid. I don't know, man. Where, where would you – have you made your ranks that far yet? And if so, roughly where is he at? Right. So I haven't really made my full rankings, but I anticipate him being like right around 20. And Woodruff was one, a guy that you brought up that is really interesting to me, too, because I, I love Brandon Woodruff. I actually I'm going to have them kind of back to back. And I think mm-hmm. I'm going to have Paddock probably one spot ahead of Woodruff. <laughs> I think I have Woodruff one spot ahead of him. <laughs> but I want to say I might change it because Paddock has the bigger, the greater arsenal and the um, better home park. And that's the type of thing that plays that plays into a, a when I'm that close on guys, that's the type of stuff I'd look at for um, tiebreakers. So, Denelson Lamette, I think, has slowly become everyone's sleeper. Like, there's no, it's not, no one's sleeping on me anymore. He's right. moving, moving up ranks, and it's getting to a point where the, he's getting priced out almost, depending on who you draft with. I know guys that have him, like, in the top 30. And I'm like, oof. Because he's shown growth all over the place last year, man. Yeah, you know what? I, 
initially, you know, when I, when I hear about Lamed, I thought like, man, you know, people, he, he's going to be one of these helium guys. He's going to be, you know, next year's Nick Pavetta. But uh, the more I look into Lamed, um, oh man, I, I might be jumping on that train too. Oh, you're not, you're not alone, man. You really are not alone. It is everywhere. Yeah. I, I don't know how high I'm going to be willing to take him. I, he's looking right now, like for sure, he's going to be like a top 150 pick. Well, yeah, I think he's going to be a fringe top 100 pick, and that's where it gets um, very interesting. Right, yeah. Because... Yeah, it, it, top 100? I mean, now we're looking at guys like Jose Barrios or yeah. you know, right in that range. But See, I'm not a Jose Barrios guy. So it's like I might like Lament more. Here, I've been honestly buying time. I pulled up the tweet I put out a few like a month ago at this point. And um, – if you look at the changes from 17 to 19, because 18 he lost to injury, uh-huh. his velo was up. His velo across the board was up. He changed his he changed his pitch arsenal and his, he had 14 percent increase in usage of sinker of his sinker. Yeah, he had a just about a 20 percent decrease in his forcing usage. His K prime went up. His walks prime went down. Strand rate went up, and he had increase in O swing and swinging strike rate. Just everything's pointing to growth and just. I think this is the breakout year. And, yeah. And it's just – but the problem is, is I'm not the only one thinking this. I'm not the only one seeing this. It has become such a common thought that there's almost no value in him. Now, if you're in drafts where he falls, like, I want him – he's going to be fringe top 30 for me. And if I can get him at that price, that's great. But I will not reach on him because I don't reach on people. I've, it's a, we'll get into draft philosophy later in the offseason. But he's going to be in a tier – and that's the thing. People are going to take him at the top of that tier where I don't have him necessarily at the top of the tier. So I'm going to, I think he's going to help be part of what pushes solid value down. So to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now he, he might be someone that's not really known in like, you know, your, your regular like home leagues and, and work leagues and stuff. So like, but if you're drafting like with, you know, with, if I'm drafting with you, I, I, I know that, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I know that I'm going to have to, uh, you know, be mindful of where he's going to go. But, I mean, you look at his, like, Steamer loves him. You know, he, they have him at a 3.75 ERA next season, uh, 11.34 uh, K per nine. So, and then not only that, I, I was also looking into uh, his arsenal a little bit as well. And that curve, you know, he, he really started using that curve too this last season that he got a 48.3% whiff rate. Um, that's just beautiful, you know. <laughs> And then, <laughs> see, like, I, I don't know if this is – I don't think this is a hot take or it shouldn't be, but I think you're going to see ADP suggest otherwise. I'd rather have Lamette over Soroka. I think Lamette has uh, more upside. Yeah, you could absolutely make that argument because Soroka – He's almost you know, like cranky light. Exactly, yeah. Cranky. Um, you know, someone mentioned Kyle Hendricks. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember that tweet. I did see that tweet or something like that too, and that felt like a good comp. It did, yeah. With more yeah, so upside, he, though. Yeah, so he, he feels like, you know, he's going to be safe. Uh, what I like about Soroka is that ground ball rate. Um, he, he just, he's a solid pitcher, for sure, but I but don't better think Better in points leagues. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's going to get quality starts. He's going to have a decent, decent ERA. Uh, could maybe, you know, possibly have, like, maybe eight or nine key per nine. That might even be a little too high. Uh, but, yeah, I could absolutely see that argument made for Lamette absolutely having the higher upside – you know, even his, his stat cast data, like is it's all it's all in the red there, you know. So everything's pointing towards uh good things for you know coming for Denelson Lamette. 
I don't know what to expect with uh, Garrett Richards for this year. Yeah, neither. I feel do like I. he's he's always been a guy where people want him. People like, and he's always been one of the almost like he like rest in peace Tyler Skaggs. But I feel like him and Skaggs were very similar as far as like he they always had the ceiling, but just always would come up short in expectations. It would drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, for some reason, that's the name that popped into my head when I thought about him. Yeah, he's another one of those guys that just something always happens, you know, injury wise. Yeah, he hasn't really pitched. Um, you know, since 2015, yeah. 2015 was his – oh, he pitched in 2018. He had 18 games started. But I'm talking about as far as, like, a full season was – his last full season was 2015. And right. he had, a, a, like, an elite year, or close to, obviously, like a really good year. And 27, 2014 was also a really good year. So, I lied. So, maybe not Skaggs. Skaggs was a bad example. Skaggs always had the ceiling. Richards actually put it up – you know, actually had – actually produced like it. Mm-hmm. But regardless, man, I mean – we're talking about a guy that you can get late in drafts and he might be worth just taking an upside flyer on SP five. I mean, he could be a bench pitcher. You just see how he does for first, first few starts and cut bait, or you might've found yourself like a solid little value there. You know, he's a sleeper. I would say, I'd say he fits sleeper category. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, good home park, decent offense. What's not like, you know, faces the giants. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, and you stream against the Giants and you got an all-star, <laughs> you know? That's, that's exactly what I'm getting at. And, you, and again, he has – but that, that division's tougher than it looks, people. I mean, we talked about the Giants even. You know, we saw them in spurts do it. And the Padres technically have one of the weaker lineups, which is crazy. And I would say the Rockies away from cores. That's the thing. I'm looking at the Rockies. The Rockies are never really great. Like, they, they're known for their home road splits. And we'll see how they address that this year. Their team's not bad, but when they're away from when they're away from Colorado, they all underperform usually. Yeah, but I think we t- that's kind of transitions right into the Rockies. I don't know if there's anything else. I mean, Kirby Yates as a closer, he's a top three closer, probably consensus number one right now. So yeah, I mean, I, I think people are probably still going to be drafting Hater uh, or like maybe Chapman oh, over yeah, him. Sorry. I forgot um, Hater. Hater did slip my mind. So he's a consensus top three. Period. Oh yeah, absolutely top three. Maybe Munoz steals the job if Kirby – if Yates for some reason falters. I don't see why he would, but that would be the next guy up. Yeah, so Andres Munoz, who's probably one of the better, uh, you know, sleepers in waiting – or, I mean, sorry, closers in waiting. Uh, he, if, if they decide to move on from Yates and, and trade him, uh, he'd be the next guy up, and he'd be one of the good ones, one of the better ones. So, yeah, Andres Munoz is someone to keep an eye on. Let's go. All right. On that note, we're going to move over to Rockies. And it's just, there's a lot of interesting, and then there's a lot of like well known. Blackman's falling in drafts. And, and I don't think, for me, it's not because of age. I'm not really too concerned about I know he's older, but I feel, I feel like he's the type of guy that might get traded midseason. And I know you can't really project that, but man, it's part of why I want to avoid him. Because if he gets traded from cores, just like anybody else, you leave cores, it hurts. But other yeah. Than that, Trevor Story's a first-round pick. David Dahl, I'm a little lower on him than most because of the injury history at this point, and he's not stealing that many bases. But Coors, you know, gives him a high average high, and he's his power guy, so he's not bad. And but I don't know. What are your thoughts on Dahl? You think he, he's top 100? But I think he's a, it's more of a fringe. It's not like a guarantee. Yeah. So I'm probably going to be fading Dahl this next season. Um, I, I did like him coming into uh, 2019. But uh, yeah, like, you know, the, the injury history, I, I think that 302 
average he put up this last season was um, probably pretty lucky, you know, considering, you know, how much he strikes out. Um, you look at his, you know, stat cast data, the exit velocity, hard hit percentage. I mean, it, it's not great. Uh, definitely outperformed that average. His ex batting average was 267. Um, he's probably someone I'm going to be fading. I, I did write in my notes here, like, you know, kind of a, a comp, like, you know, who would I rather have, Dahl or Benintendi? And I think I'm right. Like, I don't know. I think I'm going to be I'm I'm thinking of both of them. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. That's a tough one, right? I mean, um, I I just think that I just can't trust Dahl, David Dahl. I mean, health-wise, I'm thinking I probably would take Ben and Tendi. That's going to be a good one. I'm going to have to look into that one more. I might take Dahl because I'm just that low on Ben and Tendi. But you know a guy I am – really starting to like and he's he's a projected starter so take that for what it's worth because it's the Rockies and they're going to sign somebody probably or Ian Desmond will still start but I like I'm starting to like Sam Hilliard late in drafts he's just he offers a power speed combination that goes like last year he came up for his little cup of coffee mm-hmm. but only stole two bags hit but hit seven home runs in 77 at bats but let me pull up his uh, fan graphs page I probably should have had that ready but I'm pretty sure because I've already bought him in a in, as like a deep league uh a deeper league steel source, 25 years old. Last year was kind of like his breakout in AAA. Now, granted, the ball was juiced, but he has flashed 2030 upside in the past. He did 2030 in 2017. He actually did 2137 in 2017. 2019, he did 35 22 in the minors, came up, hit seven and two. Walk rate is solid. Last year was at 10.3% when he came up, it was at 9.7 in AAA, always 8.5 or at minimum. K rate, he strikes out a little more than you'd like. It was only, it was only at 26.4%, but usually sitting around 28 to 31% in the minors. But still, heck, with cores, with cores as your home park, it's like 260 to 270 is always like a solid guarantee, it feels like. Yeah. If you can look, he might be a 250 hitter. But that's with 2020 upside minimum, I feel like, with his skill set. And you can get that at the end of your drafts and mixed leagues and even deep leagues. Heck, even 15-teamers, he's going late. With that being said, man, I got to get myself some more Sam Hilliard. I didn't, I didn't realize he was like – he's a projected starter, but let's be honest. They're going to – somehow they're going to mess with that. Oh, yeah. It's so hard to, to trust the Rockies. I mean, outside of, you know, your top, you know, five or six guys here, with you got uh, just going through the lineup, Blackman, Story, uh, Dahl, Arenado, Murphy, and McMahon. I mean, I, I feel like those top six are probably a lock. Um, and then after that, yeah, I mean, that, I don't, that center. I, I don't want Murphy. Neither do I. And McMahon, he's all right, but it's like I, I thought I wanted Hampson, but, dude, Hampson's having a starter again? Like, come on, this is killing me, man. This is ridiculous. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, what are we so, doing here? Get rid exactly. of Murphy. Get rid of Murphy. Let's get rid of Murphy. Move McMahon to first, put Hampson at second, and hit Hilliard in center field, and we're good. There you go. <laughs> Exactly. They're not, not going to do that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go sign Dozier. Dozier's going to play second. McMahon's, <laughs> McMahon's going to go to the outfield. Hilliard and Hampson are going to be off the bench. And I'd rather have – honestly, if this is how it's going to shake out, you're going to see Hampson and Hilliard flip in ADP. Hampson's going to go first now. But if Hilliard actually gets the starting gig, you're going to see them flip, I think. And I think now if you're doing early drafts, grab Hilliard late. And if he, can, if he's, if he, holds, that starting, if he holds that starting spot, you're, you're going to be very thankful for that. Because he's we're, doing, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm. I was just thinking, like, we're going to be right back where we were last season with oh, uh, sure. McMahon and and Hampson, and except you know now with with Hilliard. Now, if 
we actually have to do our second base rankings. I just saw the the thing pop up on on, the, on my iPad. We have after this, we're gonna get, we have to get started on our second base rankings for fans. Yeah. And I actually was coming around on Hampson being a you know, and I'm still probably gonna rank him a little aggressively this early on. But I was it was between him and Brandon Lowe, both of which offer different skill sets. Yeah. But with and both of which have playing time concerns. But with the fact that Roster Resource already has him as a bench player makes me lean Brandon Lowe now. Because I was kind of flipping it because I actually thought Lowe initially. I was like, you know what? Hampson offers that power speed combo, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm looking at this and Hampson's not even a projected starter. I don't right. Know, I, I want the guy who's at least projected starting and on a strong side of the platoon, you know? Yeah. Now, see, I, I'm with you on, on Hampson. And, and I actually think, like, I'm going to have quite a bit of Hampson. I'm going to be back on there again. If, if I, you know, if I told you that he finished the season based on, you know, the perception and how he started that he finished the season with eight home runs and 15 steals. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, you know, in, in the second half, he, he had a uh, seven home runs, 11 steals with a 284 average. And we know the guy can run. He's got 99 percentile uh, sprint speed. Uh, you know, so Hampson, man, I really hope that, that he wins a starting job. It's and it's again. It's not even about him winning it. It's about are they going to sign somebody to screw with him again? Right. <laughs> so we're going to see. But that's the thing. The power has never been in there, been there in the minors. So how much of it was the juice ball for the power as well? That's my concern with him. He he might be closer to a ten to fifteen home run guy, which isn't bad. Maybe twenty because it's cores, but the speed is like thirty plus. Like we've seen it. It's 2016, 2017, 36, 51. Oh, sorry, twenty eighteen as well with uh thirty six steals there so stolen bases right. have never been a question last year if you combine the minors and majors he stole 22 this is the math 20 yeah 22 so yeah and he's definitely gonna hit better than 247 and the, like especially yeah the batting average the babbit was low 322 that's low for somebody like him with his uh skill set but i don't want to harp on him too much we know he's it's one of those things that we just gotta see how the rockies handle it which is probably gonna be poorly um yeah, and now you know on the on the pitching side, there's really no one to mention other than uh, Marquez. Well, I mean, John Gray was surprisingly good. I mean, no people, a lot of people didn't realize that he was actually not bad last year, if I remember correctly. And this was after like, I think he figured out something with his sleep or something like that. Uh, one of those guys that kind of he had a nine point oh K per nine. He had a high three ERA with a actually only with only like with a low four with a four point oh six FIP. A high, mm-hmm. uh, but his indicators were right in line. X FIP was three eighty nine. Sierra was 435, a little high, but not bad for a course pitcher. A guy, you're, a guy I would stream, I would, him, Marquez, and that's about it, are guys I would stream outside of cores or a really, really, really good cores matchup, maybe. So they're better in daily leagues, but they're, I'm out of, but in weekly leagues, I don't want them really. Yeah, I mean, I have Marquez down as like maybe like a, no better than like an SP3 with upside. Yeah, same thing with John Gray though, and John Gray you can get later probably. Yeah, absolutely. You can get. You're going to be able to get John Gray much later. And again, daily leagues, uh, streaming options for, on the road for sure. Maybe like if you get the Giants or the Marlins at home, it's even the bad teams can hurt them. And course, because course is undefeated. There's a reason why I fade course pitchers, but you're getting those guys. And Marquez actually turned it up in the second half and was actually doing better again on the road. His home road splits were notably different. He's going to be a solid value this year, I think. He's the one to definitely target, but John Gray is not somebody to sleep on. Just grab him late, stream him. I, I really would stream him on the road. I would, I would own him, and, and as long as I can, because obviously daily leagues, the shallower the format, I won't own him. But he will be a solid streamer next year, I think. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, John Gray is actually 
produced better at home um, than on the road. Uh, oh, like, really? I didn't even look at his splits. I just assumed it was. <laughs> I always assumed the road splits uh, are better with course pitchers. Yeah, he, it's weird. He's kind of always been like that. It's, um, he has a career four three six ERA at home and a career four five six ERA um, uh, away from cores. So I mean, and then like last year too, uh, in cores he had a. 3.46 ERA and then uh, 4.22 on the road. Yeah, we can, okay. We're moving on from them. Like, I, yeah, I'm just gonna move on. Basically, yeah, yeah those, those are really the only two interesting. I, I, what about the closer situation? I guess I forgot to mention that. I don't know if that's really worth mentioning because I feel like I know it's not Wade Davis is um not Adovino. It's obviously no. It, it was Jairo Diaz. To the uh, oh. no Oberg. Unfortunately, man, he had a like a bad injury scare i want to say it was like a blood clot or some kind of blood i think blood condition that uh, shut him down and and it was uh jairo diaz that was getting the uh, save opportunities later in the season but that's another situation that's going to be you know up in the air gotcha all right arizona diamondbacks let's kind of uh, gotta speed this up a little bit um let's just let's start with the pitching dude there's a lot here again mostly zach gallon and luke weaver robbie ray's okay <laughs> he kind of is who he is, high K guy, but the ratios are always going to hurt you a little bit. But I like Weaver and Gallon a lot, a lot this year, and I think Gallon's another one like Lamette, just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah but we Gallon's definitely he's being ranked aggressively, rightfully so, and Weaver's being slept on. He's a sleeper. Yeah, I really like Weaver. Um, you know, he he made some really great improvements this last season. It was so unfortunate. I was watching the game where it, it was against my giants, uh, where he just started shaking his arm and I could, you could see like, Oh no, like it's the forearm. You could see the trouble there. Um, but I, I had really liked the, the improvements that he was making. And that's the concern. Cause it was a strain in that arm. So it's like, will he end up going under the knife this year type of thing, but the price is built in. You're getting him late. He is a sleeper for all, in in every aspect he's going late you can get him late as a sp5 type of guy and if he doesn't work out drop him cut him whatever yeah i'm gonna have a lot of luke weaver uh this this next no, season and we can't draft together <laughs> no probably not no because i i like you mean weaver i like gallon as well i really do but i'm probably gonna be just waiting and, and getting weaver i'm um, priced out on gallon yeah 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 and then robbie ray like you said uh he, he's always like kind of that fringe, like top 30 SP top, you know, maybe as high as top 25. Um, always like has a surprisingly good year, you know, here and there. You know who I'm completely fading. I was fading him last year and somehow even with the second half being terrible, his counting stats never dipped. Eduardo Escobar. I'm yeah. going to be, I'm so down on him. Everything indicated that it was a, a fluky year and I was like, I actually remember talking, I think I was, I was tweeting about it with somebody on Twitter about, um, it was mid, it was mid season. It was, the discussion was legitimately Escobar, Eduardo Escobar, or back, back to our guy, uh, Ramirez, Jose Ramirez. And I literally said at the end of the season, because both remember both had complete opposite first halves. Mm-hmm. I said, both of, both of them can finish the season hitting 250. It's just completely different stories, how they get there. And I think it was like, I pretty much was, I was pretty spot on about that. And the thing about Escobar is he did so bad in his peripherals in the second half. He still, but he still managed to put up such good counting stats that people don't realize that 
he's a huge bust for me. Like I'm gonna fade him everywhere. If that ball's not juiced even the slightest bit, I mean, I feel like he's the one that's gonna fall on his face the most on this team and one of the bigger. But I don't know where he's going in drafts. I think he's actually not priced too expensively, but I want nothing to do with him. I'm fading him hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Escobar is someone that's really not on my radar. He's he's a fade. It, this uh, hurt. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. You're going to finish your thoughts on uh, Escobar? No, I was going to say it kills me to see Carson Kelly hitting eighth, but the team is actually solid ahead of him. So, <laughs> I just you know me. I love Kelly, Carson Kelly, so. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know you're high on Kelly. Um, now, how do you feel about Cattell Marte? Are you are you buying it? Are you buying that breakout? I think, oh yeah, I think the hit skill, the hit tool's always been there. I think he's, a, mm-hmm. I, I just think the powers doesn't come down. I think he's a regression candidate, but not a bust. I don't know yeah. if I'm gonna take him. I don't know if I'm gonna take him where he's going in drafts. So it's hard for me. It's like maybe I am calling him a bust without trying to call him a bust. I don't. I think he's, I think he's solid. I just don't think – I think last year might have been, like, that year for him, you know. The sprint speed is down. The, but everything else, I mean, he he's one of those swing change guys, and they put the ball in the air more, and the production followed. I think some of the home runs will come down a little bit, but I think he's still going to hit for a solid average, be able to hit – be able to steal about 10 bags and hit about 20 to 25 home runs. I think that's what you can expect with close to a 280 to 300 average. Solid. But he's, that's, that's still regression compared to last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you consider the second base landscape, he's going to be right up there. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. He gains value because of that positional flexibility and flexibility because he's outfield eligible too. But he is second base eligible. He played enough games. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> That's probably something we should definitely – I know. <laughs> I want to say he did. Uh, let's see. Second base. Uh, yeah, actually 74 games that second. Oh, sweet. I didn't realize he played so many. Cool. Good. Yeah. No, that definitely adds to his value. I just have a hard – see, that's the thing. I feel like he's getting – just like other players playing second, second base, people are getting boosted because of that. And I'm just – I don't like paying up for position. I'm a, I don't look at positional scarcity too much usually. It might be a difference maker. Like if I think Ketel Martinez had a good value with it, like if he falls to a good value and it's him versus somebody else, I'm going to lean him if I'm really that torn between them because of – but I don't ever go out of my way to draft somebody early based on positions. That's why I moved Javi Baez down a lot too. So Javi yeah, he was high for me. Then I realized take away second base, I'm not a huge fan of his. And he's falling to a good value. He's actually becoming a good value in drafts too, but that's not – we're not talking about the Cubs. We're talking about the Diamondbacks. Um, yeah. So and also uh, just to add a quick note on Marte, depending on your platform, he did play ten games at second base. So you know, somewhere like Yahoo, he's going to have that second base shortstop outfield, you know, triple eligibility. Ooh, that's very very intriguing. Yeah, it does. It definitely adds to his value in fifteen teamers. Where that's where I'm deeper leagues like that, I'm more likely to value multi positional eligibility for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then one who's okay. coming back. Oh, Souza, yeah. I'm uh <laughs> power, some speed, meh, batting average like 240 250 is what it is. That's what, just who he is. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to have any Souza. <laughs> yeah, probably not me either. Yeah, no, uh another guy I have down here as a like a late steal source is Josh Rojas. Yeah, he's gaining some uh helium too and I think it's Alex Chamberlain that's all over him. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing his name float all over Twitter. That's all. I'm just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much about him. I honestly didn't own a lot of shares. And I know he's 25 years old. Sprint speed is in the 77th percentile. But that's about all I know about him. I don't really know. Do you know more about him than I do? Did you look into him a little bit? 
Um, no, I did. I do know that he came from the Astros uh, organization, and oh, um, they always do that, right? <laughs> Look, uh, JD Davis, Rojas, like they always. It's a it's an embarrassment of riches. Like they just give these guys away because they they have no room for them. Right. Yeah. So he went over to the Diamondbacks in the Zach Greinke deal. Uh, did steal 19 bases in in AAA last oh, yeah. season with the Astros. Sorry, I like his walks and care rates. Like I like that profile. You know, I'm a sucker for that. And the batting average was there. The walks and care rates were there. Oh man, I like him now. Right. Yeah. So he's got a good <laughs> he's got a good uh, profile here with the with the strikeout and walk rates. Um, so you're looking at you know potentially a pretty good average, and then with uh, 15 or so steals, that's what Steamer has him for. Um, I think that looks pretty good. Uh, pretty good late steal source there. Oh, he's a sleeper. I'm still. I'm, I'm putting him on my list now. I'm not kidding. As we're talking, he's adding to my list because I'm. And that's why, dude. That, I'm never too above like hearing what other people have to say, and I have never looked into Rojas. And now that like literally just a quick look, that's all I needed to because he's because of his draft value, his price. You know. Yeah, he's so he's someone similar to someone like uh, Mauricio Dubon, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I'd rather have Rojas. I think Rojas has a better profile. And a little, and more. So he actually has more speed and potential, but the but less pop potential. Right, less pop. Yeah, a little less power. Um, I I mean, I think I'm gonna side with my guy in uh, Dubon, but um, yeah, Rojas is, is similar. Uh, David Peralta, same thing as 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 Souza. I mean, I think I'd rather have Peralta, obviously, but it's just yeah. another guy. Batting average, solid batting average, good power, nothing else. I mean, and obviously RBI potential because he's hitting fourth. But the guy I like right behind them is Christian Walker. I'm hoping he doesn't platoon too much. But I mean, you're getting, you get a couple, you get some steals, you get some power. I think, and a lot of the metrics and peripherals back them up a little for the most part. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the concern for me is, um, you know, the platoon. We'll, we'll see where they put uh, Jake Lamb. Uh, or I, I'm sorry, is Jake Lamb? Is he's, he, on the, uh, he's, on, he's, on, he's on the he's on the bench. Right, he's on the bench. Right, yeah. But doesn't he doesn't he hit lefties really well? No, he crushes righties. It's righties. It's so the other way around. So yeah. He, yeah, so he should be a starter then because then you would think he would be starting because righties, you face more righties than you do lefties, you know? Yeah, so that's the one concern I have is, um, you know, if they platoon Lamb and, and Walker, uh, what happens to Walker's playing time? Um, I mean, that, that, that was an, I know that was a concern last year at one point, but then Walker separated himself and kind of played more, if I remember correctly. Like I'm looking at splits now, and Walker actually also hit better versus righties last season. So there's an issue there, you know? There's a – how do you – you know, if, if both of them hit better versus righties, I guess Walker hitting a better versus lefties was, the diff- was enough of a difference maker to give him the full-time spot maybe? That's one thing I can think of. Yeah. Because I'm just looking – I just looked at their splits real quick, and you can't have two guys – playing full-time <laughs> for against righties so yeah and then um so just uh, moving on from the hitters here uh, we've kind of touched on the pitchers uh one guy one diamondback who i'm probably going to have on a lot of my teams is uh, archie bradley he's going to be closing uh for the diamondbacks and he was actually one of the best uh relievers in the second half of the season he had a 171 era and then once they moved on from greg holland he he, he picked up 18 saves um and then you know had a you know, good strikeout rate uh had you know like i said one of the best relievers in all of baseball in the second half uh i think he's maybe going to go a little under the radar going to be one of that you know one of those relievers in the middle tier 
personally, I, I never draft like one of the top relievers. Like I'm just, I never draft relievers that high. Uh, Archie Bradley's going to be going, probably going somewhere where I'm going to be comfortable taking my first uh, RP and yeah, he's going to be someone I target a lot. Yeah. And I, we, I think we, we do, we actually do a whole relief pitcher pod. So we're definitely going to touch on not just ranks, but like strategy. Cause that's a big thing for a lot of people. And I'm also, I'm not big. I don't go after the top tier closers. So again, we, we have that one draft together for sure. And that might be all I want to draft with you. <laughs> I'm looking over at the Dodgers one. This is the final team. And I think we did pretty good time on that team. Um, I just want to start right with the pitchers again. Kershaw, we know who he is. Burt Bueller, obviously, I think we all agree with Bueller above Kershaw at this point now. Yeah. After that, it gets interesting. Urias, he should be starting this year. And I think it's almost like prospect fatigue. People are so tired of him. But he's like 23 years old, I think. He's still like a kid, man. He's still young. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, still, he's still really young. Uh, yeah, 23 years old. And I, I have him written down here, too, as a big-time sleeper. You look at his stat cast page, and everything is off the charts. You see red everywhere. Um, so, I mean, if he gets those innings, if he gets those starts, um, yeah, he, he could definitely pay off. I am curious to see what they do with the innings because he only pitched 79 last year. Sorry, technically 81.2 because he had two innings in, uh, in high A. But uh, I'm just – you know how they are. He might, what, 140, 150, maybe 160, and then they'll cap him, put him back in the pin. They have Ross Stripling. They have Gonsolin. You know who they're missing? Where the heck is Dustin May? Dustin May, right, yeah. <laughs> Dustin May over Gonsolin. Come on, Dodgers, don't let me down. Because Gonsolin's not bad. We know, we know Stripling's decent. Like, I think any – I want – where's where's Ryu? Is Ryu not – is he a free agent? Like, I don't remember Ryu. Where, where's Ryu? <laughs> uh, he's a free agent. That's why I thought – okay, I thought so. I was just making sure – because I was, just, I was like, maybe he, maybe he's on the injured list or something on this page. But just making sure, okay, so the Dodgers don't have any reason to resign him. They have – wait, where's Maeda? Maeda's for agent too? No, no, he, uh, they have him in the bullpen. Oh, oh, yeah, there he is. Okay, I'm all thrown off. So, yeah, this goes to show you, we don't know. <laughs> um, Maeda could easily fight for a spot in the starting rotation again. Gonsolin showed flashes. I know Stripling's kind of like maybe everybody was a year early on Stripling's. Remember last year he was getting he was getting drafted pretty aggressively, you know, as a yeah. starter and didn't start pretty much most of the year. But right. Solid, yeah. Solid, but solid numbers. I mean, I think he's another sleeper. I think I want a piece of this. This I like the Dodgers starting rotation. I like how they handle their pitcher. I don't like how they handle the pitchers because they all these breaks. But I want Stripling. I want Urias. I don't really want Gonsolin, but I want May. I think May will end up winning a job. And when you look at their hitters, where the heck is Gavin Lux? <laughs> Why is yeah. Lux not, where's Lux at? Like, what's going on? But then you look, where can they fit Lux? Right, so they got I, Turner at third I, base. I they got Max Muncy at second. No, I think, he's got, uh, I think he's got one more year. And I wonder, because there are talks about um, – what's his face from the Indian? Like, there was already talks about – Lindor. Lindor coming over, which would push Seager to what? Second base or third base? Maybe maybe Turner Yeah, he has one more year. And it's a pretty big uh pretty big salary too. So <laughs> you can't mm -hmm. just it's gonna be hard that would be hard to move. They have to eat the salary, but I just don't see a like where's like Lux should start, but I don't see a spot for him to start. Yeah, yeah. So I mean you got AJ Pollock in the outfield who, you know, they paid last year. Um you got 
Jock Peterson, you know, Alex Verdugo, you got Cody Bellinger at first base. So yeah, it's, it's hard to see, you know, where they're going to fit. Yeah, absolutely loaded. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe they do move some of these pieces for like a Francisco Lindor. That's um, what I'm wondering if Lindor is coming. If if they get Lindor, you got to think Lux is probably part of that package. It could be, yeah, absolutely. Because what? Where else? I mean, Seager, Seager. I I would hope Indians know better that Seager. Maybe Seager's better in real life, but you don't take on Seager with his injury history and the lack of luster. He hasn't really hit that. He never really hit that potential on the offensive side either. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they make room for Lux. Cause Lux, he's being drafted as a sleeper in a lot of leagues. And I like him. But as of right now, as the roster currently stands, there's not an everyday spot for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I, I know he did, you know, he, he didn't perform particularly well in his limited time, um, you know, with the Dodgers last season. I'm not concerned. So even in that small sample, he did have an expe- uh, expected batting average of 288. I think his actual batting average was actually down in, like, 250s. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we know how talented he is. Um, I, I'm hoping that that he he's playing, whether it's with the Dodgers or if it's every day with the Indians. We know how talented he is. I'm just I don't know, I'm just looking at this team. I think Max Muncie, he's a solid value in drafts. Where you're getting him, it's like the price is right on him. He'll probably make that podcast when we have it. He's a solid multi-positional eligible guy, 250-ish average, but big power potential. Great in OBP leagues, or I should say, better anyway. Right, Jock Peterson. See, that's the thing. But Jock Peterson, he's a thirty home run guy, but it's just he leads off and he's a platoon, strong side of a platoon. So he his value remains in daily leagues and for power. Pollock is a draft a a solid value, a fifth outfield type, a little bit of power speed. I think he's okay. I don't mind taking him because his draft price is great. You know, he's like outside the top two hundred, I think, or close. Probably not that late, but pretty close. You know, he's probably going. 150-ish, 175-ish, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. It's like I'm trying to – it's just this team is so good. I'm trying to – Right. So just going back to your, you know, your uh, point on Muncie, um, he's going to be a guy that, like, I, I'm perfectly fine drafting at first base, uh, you know, waiting, you or, know. Our, so we, we still haven't – yeah, or even, you know, he's going to be first base eligible. Um you know, second base, obviously, you know, how shallow that is, it, you know, he'll, he'll be great there. But, you know, even first base, I wouldn't really mind, um, especially in points leagues, because, uh, you know, that, that walk rate is, is great, you know, 15.3% walk rate. So he's going to have, you know, great OBP, a lot of pop. So in, in points leagues in particular, um, I, I really like Muncie. Uh, he was only one of 14 players with uh, 35 home runs, uh, 95 runs, 95 RBI, and that elite walk rate. So, I mean, um, yeah, he, he's definitely someone, like I said, in points leagues that, that I like. Um, Peterson, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting, 250, 30 home runs. You know, like you said, better in daily leagues. Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, like this 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 lineup is just stacked. You know, you, then you look at catcher Will Smith. You All know, at the bottom. Yeah, top catcher. You know, potential. Um, you know, Alex Verdugo is probably like a safe outfielder three type. You know, Justin Turner. Everything's kind of checking out the same with Justin Turner when you look like you know at the peripherals. Yeah, um, he's corner infield. I mean, he's a starting third baseman. Third base is deep. He's, but he's solid, and you're gonna get good. He's a good value because of his position. He's gonna he falls because of age and position and health. 
and he's gonna be a good right. value. Like it's so just, the age and the health is a major concerns, but I mean, Steamer has him still for a 280 average and 26 home runs, and yeah. I mean that's that's great for a, a, if you can get him at like a corner infield spot. I mean, that's oh, gonna yeah. be absolutely exactly, and that's pretty. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I don't want Kenley Jansen. He all his stuff like regressed last year, and I'm just I'm good. Like I don't really want him. I mean, I, I don't have to dig in that deep to him. I just He's praised his name, his name alone, and obviously team context. He will get the saves, but I just they're not going to be pretty. I don't think. I feel like he, I feel like he could be replaced this year. Maybe yeah. I'm too pessimistic. I don't know. I mean, I still think that he he's probably going to be like a maybe like a low end uh, RP one, like fringe top ten, top twelve uh, still. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to have him anywhere. But I think that's that's probably what he's going to be. I don't think he's gonna lose the job, but yeah, that, that's that's a hard one to to pin down. Maybe maybe Maeda can take it. Yeah, we did see that. We we did see, uh, you know, late in the season, uh, other relievers, including Urias, get you know some save opportunities. You got, you better watch out. Keeper Ruiz is coming for Will Smith's spot, man. <laughs> Dude, this team is just another team. They need to make a trade. Another team littered with talent throughout their minor league system too. So. I think that's going to do it, though, man. We did good. We talked We talked about a lot of stuff. It might be a pretty long pod. I'm curious to see how it edits out. But yeah, at the end of the day, guys, this is the NL West, and we covered a whole bunch of information. Definitely prefer this. I mean, it's a little longer, but I definitely prefer this compared to each team individually, especially yeah, I agree. We, have so much, we have so much information to cover otherwise for off-season content. So, again, that's going to do it, guys. I'm Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. I was joined by George today. You can follow him on Twitter at jmonsonas 90 We write for Fantrax, so we're always um, – you can follow our work over at Fantrax HQ and, or just, again, on Twitter. You'll see it. We post it. The podcast, you can find us on Twitter as well and Instagram at Pod. And we appreciate you guys listening. We look forward to being with you guys all off season, coming into the season, and, and beyond, man. We'll be here. So, again, guys, we'll talk to you soon.